Welcome to Mind of a Football Coach Podcast. Today we have a very special guest on. It was my father, the Storm Davis. We were at his house in Jacksonville, Florida, in the kitchen. I like I'm embarrassing him a little bit. He doesn't like me to do that, but that's okay. It's my podcast. I can do what I want. Um so and my wife's la- my wife is laughing in the background. Um, we're looking at old pictures of me and my brother, uh, very studly, like fifteen year old pictures. But uh we've got my dad today. We're gonna talk about uh his his uh, philosophy of coaching, what he did for a living, which was a pro baseball player for 13 years, Dad? In the big leagues, yeah. Big leagues, 13 years. Yeah. And uh, kind of how he sees football today. And then he'll make some predictions, even though we're recording as the game has started. What's the score of the Clemson? Uh, I think game? I got 3 nothing Clemson. Clemson, okay. Well, yeah, they're going to win anyway. God loves the Catholics. They're going to win, right? Uh, yeah, maybe. My, my friends, my Catholic friends who are listening to the podcast may like that. Uh, so, Dad, give... <laughs> Give the listeners just kind of a little background about you. And- yeah, yeah. Well, I grew up here in Jacksonville, Florida. Met and married your mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, she's, we've known each other since we were really five, six years old. Uh, grew, grew up here in Jacksonville. Born in Dallas, Texas. But my dad and my mom moved here in 1968. So Jacksonville, Florida's been home for a long time. Other than just a couple of years in Baltimore when you were in the first, second grade. Mm-hmm. Um, went to high school here. Drafted out of high school by the Baltimore Orioles. Um, played 16 years professional baseball. 16 years, okay. 13 in the big leagues. I got, was uh, fortunate enough to get through the minor leagues rather quick. That's quick. So, anyway, we've, uh, you and your brother and your sister and married and had ch- children, and we're just really blessed. Yeah, that's awesome. Dad, talk to the, the listeners about uh, just kind of your playing career a little bit. Who do you played for? How long? Some, some accolades, things of that nature. Yeah, well, we, uh, part of that ride was 13 years. was three World Series, 1983, when we were with the Orioles. We beat the Phillies. 1988, we were with the Oakland A's, lost to the Dodgers. And in 1989, we turned back around and got back to the World Series again with the A's and beat the Giants. Um, you know, it was a... Uh, I was really blessed. I was around a lot of good teammates, early, particularly early on in my career, mm-hmm. that uh, gave me things to look for, watch for, listen for, um, with the hitter in the box and, you know, other things. Then I, I played for, what, three Hall of Fame managers, uh, Earl Weaver, Tony Arusa, and uh, Sparky Anderson. Had wonderful pitching coaches. Probably Dave Duncan when I was with Oakland was my favorite. Very low-key gentleman former catcher when he played, uh, just the nuances of the game and kind of understanding situational pitching. Everybody's uh, looking for what people are doing in certain spots and stay away from that part of the strike zone and understand who you are and don't get out of your, out of your box. Those kind of things, you know, things that you guys talk about in football. You know, try not to beat yourself. And so it was a wonderful career. It went by awfully fast. I know that. Played for the Oakland, Baltimore. Well, Baltimore came in with Baltimore, Oakland, San Diego, Detroit, Kansas City. Mm-hmm. So it all went by kind of fast. Yeah, that's awesome. And you were quite the quarterback in high school. Well, I threw it hard. I'd missed my receiver most of the time, but oh, I could oh, throw it hard. Um, I, I enjoyed. I free, actually, I enjoyed playing free safety more. I, I think, but being a quarterback, I understood by playing free safety. I understood where the quarterback was going or was trying to go with the ball. And I had more fun playing defense than I did offense, but I, I needed to play offense because I throw the ball harder than anybody else, I guess. Sure, yeah. And Plus, it didn't help that my dad was the head coach, so he 
He let me play quarterback. There you go. So yeah, I want to get to that. That pop, or, that your dad, my granddad was the head coach. So yeah. what kind of what kind of schemes were y'all rolling with back then? What wasn't really any schemes. Uh, and, uh, you know, um, we ran the veer, split back veer. I, he did give me the option at, at the last scrimmage to check two and out of uh, depend on fronts and where we wanted to go with our option. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were no protections back then. Sure. Uh, you know, you tight. Tight end set, slot, pro right, pro left. Mm-hmm. Um, I had two pretty good running backs. Offensive line was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, we got to the playoffs my senior year and lost in the, in the second round. So it was fun. I, I really loved playing football. I think football uh, was my first step into um, paying attention to um, opponents. You know, in baseball, I, when I was in high school, I just took the ball and threw it, and that's the way it went. But football forced me to get outside my box a little bit and kind of pay attention to what the other team was and was not doing. And it started the critical thinking part for me as a pitcher that I would use down the road. Sure. So football was very valuable in that, in that way. Yeah. You know, it's interesting learning about pro athletes. A lot of them have a hard time coaching because mm-hmm. they could just do it and mm-hmm. – they could just do it. They don't have to coach anybody up because, well, nobody had to coach them up because so they could just do it. Uh, but you've become a coach. So that's really, really interesting. So talk about the transition between being a player and being a being a coach. Yeah. We retired in 94, 17. This will be my 17th year as a high school coach, uh, head coach, assistant coach. I think the biggest thing is just know your kid's uh, personality, I think how they listen is a huge thing in high school. You know, we spent eight years just uh, recently playing our coaching professional baseball back in the minor league player development, which was very rewarding and challenging at the same time. Mm-hmm. But high schools, uh, I think it's a, a huge platform that coaches have with uh, the development of the young man, total young man. And I think that's the biggest reason why I enjoy high school part of it more than anything else is it you get a chance to help them with uh, the growing up process and I think if you if you can get to know who they are the coaching side of it becomes a little easier mm-hmm. and uh, try not to force them into something they're not sure. and uh, I think I think too in high school you've got to be a better listener than you probably need to be at any other level because uh, you, you need to force to not force them just they're a little guarded sometimes high school kids are mm-hmm. and uh once you get them to kind of open up a little bit and you can get to know them and then it's a, like i said it's a little easier to coach where they need to get better at sure you coach baseball and football in high school mm-hmm. talk about the difference between coaching those those sports um football you know in when you played at trinity you and your brother i was the offensive line coach at the other schools i've coached at Barton Trail offensive line, uh, Bowles tight end coach. Um, it's a wonderful sport, football is, because it truly is the most, uh, as far as team sports are concerned, I think the greatest sport on the planet. Because everybody really has to be involved in what their role is and what their job is on a certain play. Or that the, uh, the play itself can fall apart. Then the game just probably usually doesn't go your way. I really love Friday nights. It was a, a special time uh, for you and your brother and I when you all were growing up. 
I miss it occasionally, but I get it whenever we get a chance to come watch you coach. Sure. And uh, but it, baseball is uh, is a individual sport wrapped around a, or inside a team sport. Football is not that way. Uh, football truly is a team sport, and uh, that's the one of the biggest differences I found. You know, particularly uh, being a now that I'm back into high school uh, pitching coach. It's uh, I mean pitching is a, a big part of the game, so. It's a lot of fun. I enjoyed both tremendously, and maybe down the road I'll do it again in football, but I enjoy uh, uh, watching you and Coach, and I get a, a – and I go to Friday night games with your brother down here in Florida, so we I, get, I get, still get a lot of it. So when when you watch games from Florida and then West by God, Virginia, mm-hmm. uh, what is what are some of the, like the biggest similarities and differences that you see? Uh, I think the coaching you, – I've seen you coach in Florida, Georgia, and West Virginia. I think the coaching in Georgia and West Virginia are as good as it is anywhere in the country, the coaching part of it. Uh, Florida, just by sheer volume of people, mm-hmm. have uh, – high schools here have – I mean, you can go down the road here to the Oak Leaf High School, which is an eight, will be an 8A school now in Florida, which is the largest classification. And they're a little better than average. I think even the head coach would say that. But on the sideline are half a dozen college football players. Mm-hmm. Maybe not Division One. Sure. Maybe that's not at every school in West Virginia. It's just uh, athletics. Uh, athleticism is very, very good. And I don't know why that is. I think, again, it's just a lot of people who live yeah. in our state. Uh, coaching, I think, is good. It's okay in certain spots, particularly here in Jacksonville and Pockets. But I thought when you were in Georgia and, and in West Virginia, being a Riverside and at Nitro, I, you're coaching against really good coaches. Yeah, I, you know, it's interesting. Me and Emily were talking on the way here from going to the beach today, mm-hmm. and there's more people in Duval County than there is the entire state of West yeah, Virginia. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. So you, you're drawing from a lot more uh, more players yeah. and more, more people. So talk about um, you're a big reader, Dad. Mm-hmm. And it really shaped your coaching philosophy. What mm-hmm. are some some good books that the podcast listeners could read Ooh. for uh, for their coaching? Yeah, I you know I go back to uh, the obstacle is the way. Um, that's a good book. I think Holiday wrote that book. Ryan Holiday. Yeah, yeah. good book. Um, I'm reading. I love to read about leaders. It doesn't particularly have to be uh, sports. Uh, McChrystal, I mean, General McChrystal's retired leader, uh, general. He has a book now out called Leaders. Uh, you know, I think early on, I, I love reading about why coaches were, you know, why their programs were successful. Mm-hmm. Not that they got to the top, but that they stay at the top. Right. Uh, Belichick comes to mind, Saban, guys like that. Back in my day, it was Landry and Chuck Knoll, Don Shula. Coach Gibbs, Washington. So, I mean, anything I could get my hands on to read about why those men, not so much just football either, you know, uh, Coach Krzyzewski at Duke. Um, so, I mean, I love reading about why guys, how they connect. Sure. Each season is a really, no matter if you have more or less the same people coming back, it's a different year. Mm-hmm. Everybody's at a different place in their life. I think that's the biggest thing is coaching is just understanding where your people are that are around you, where they are in their lives. I think that helps. Again, I think the personal connection is huge in coaching. Oh, sure. I think it's uh, the more, the older I get, I think the more important that I, it is because if you can connect, uh, 
and now that I'm an older man, it's a, they'd say, well, it's a, you know, I'm 58 years, 57 years old, and I'm coaching kids in their teens. But you find ways to connect and sure. find ways to to help them mold their craft. But I I love reading, and uh, I'm a note taker, um, so it's I'm kind of like what you are, just uh, always drawing on what what I've read, what I've read, and how I can apply it. Sure. You turned me on to two books by Josh Medcalf, Chop mm-hmm. Wood, Carry oh, Water, yeah. and Pound the Stone. Mm-hmm. Uh, give the listeners a little little snippet. I did a podcast about that a couple about a week or so ago. Mm-hmm. But I want to get your your take on those. I think you can sum up the chop wood carry water, and it's a chapter called bamboo. And you know, what people don't understand it takes five years for a bamboo shoot to shoot up. You know, if you water it and you you know uh, get the ground right, and then you know after a year or two you might even lose hope that it's there but after five years it shoots up and goes i think 90 feet and it's less than six weeks mm-hmm. and that's you know I, I think that's the process is talked a lot about nowadays but it, it was relevant back when i played and even started coaching back in the 90s early 90s uh you know i think our generation is less patient now yeah. uh overall Heck, you can just get in your car and drive somewhere. It's you don't take long. People are impatient. They got to get to where they got to go, mm-hmm. and that's kind of how we are in other things in life as well. Particularly in athletics, our our field. Uh, you know, we want our teams to have. Well, we're fans. You know, we're all fans of somebody. We right. love to see our teams do well, but a lot of times, you know, the teams that we coach, it's just uh, when the right time comes, those things will. Uh, you know, the wins will come. But I, I think as co- good coaches, I don't think get locked into wins. I think good coaches see the process and where your teams are making and your players are making progress. I don't, I don't think – I really I, – I, I'm not that way. You know, I was fortunate enough to, to coach – be a head coach of back-to-back state champions here at the bowl school in baseball. And I never once talked to the kids about winning a state championship. All I remind them every day is – Whatever we're doing, situational baseball that day in practice or uh, during BP, if we're if we're working on moving guys or, or whatever we were doing defensively, it's just that's what we were locked in on. Sure. Nothing else. And, and a big picture will take care of itself. Right. That's really interesting. You say that process is the big word these days. People mm-hmm. talk about process, process, process. But I remember you coaching me in high school, and it was just be good at the little things and yeah. the rest stuff will take care of itself. Yeah, I think in football, I think God gives you the first step coaching. Uh, you can coach up the second step. Now, you can apply that to anything in sports. You know, in, in, in pitching part of it, I, I can. you're going to take yourself to the top of the delivery and I'm going to help you to when you get your foot on the ground and, and we're going to work that part of it. Mm-hmm. I think in football, you know, that like I said, the first step is what God gave you. But the second step moving forward is whether you either win or lose the play. And uh, that's really big is how do we make that more consistent as coaches? Sure. You know, when you coached us up in, at Trinity, we were we weren't, we weren't really wing team. We were like double wing. Yeah. Kind of unique version of what we what we did. But I, my, I say that uh, Papa, Papa D was a really good offensive line coach. We rushed for – Golly, like three thousand yards, I think, in a season, mm-hmm. give or take, somewhere around there. Um, so he's not only a baseball legend; he's also a really good, really good football coach. So, Dad, flipping to 
more football. What are your predictions for the for the games tonight? Oh, I got Clemson and I got Oklahoma. Okay. I I think Clemson. I think Clemson wins it all. I, I really like Coach Sweeney. I like what he does with his men at Clemson, and uh, I just think they're the best. I think they're the best team. Everybody, you know, I live in an SEC country. I see Alabama play a lot, and they're really good. And they're coached up, and they got a lot of great players. But I, I just, I got, I just think Clemson wins it all this year. What, what about them makes you think that? I really like their perimeter players, mm-hmm. and I like the, I like the, I, I think every game is won at the line of scrimmage, at every level. And I just think Clemson's, the line of scrimmage, they, they just, uh, they're really good defensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. I think they're really good offensive side of the ball as well. Cast the playmakers out, and everybody does. The final four do, but it's the small things. Sure, you know, in baseball, it's base running, it's angles to the bases, it's uh, little things like first step to the ball, right or left of you. Mm-hmm. Football, same thing. Mm-hmm. And I, again, it's going to come down to a fumble or a pass is complete or incompleted that you know somebody was a step faster than the other guy got there. Sure. I think at the end of the day, the teams that take less false steps win. Sure, I think yeah. that's just how it goes. That's good. Yeah. That's really good. So what about the NFL? Who's going to win the whole thing? Well, I'm a big Patriot guy, but it's not our year. <laughs> uh, Tom's showing his age, um, and we're not very good offense defensively. I think we're kind of average. But uh, I, I'm going to go with uh, – I'm going to go with – I think it's the Chiefs or the Saints. Chiefs I'm going to go with the Saints. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to go with the Seahawks. That's a dark horse pick. There you go. The Seahawks. Uh, they, that's a good choice. Yeah. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think. Football, I'll take Alabama win the whole thing because Saban's the man. Yeah. Um, I'll pick the upset for this one that we're watching. I don't even know what the score is right now, but I'll take Notre Dame. Uh, that may be crazy, but who Notre knows? Dame slows that. I don't know. We're up in West Virginia. I'm starting to appreciate the northern football. I understand, now. but that's Notre Dame is slow. Yeah, because this is SEC country, and you know, if you say something negative about the SEC, it's it's a uh, like There's a lot of Harrigans down here. I grew up in it, and I probably at some point was – I mean, I grew up a Get Florida Gator fan. I guess I still somewhat am, but people down here kind of take that too serious sometimes. Sure, yeah. You know, yeah. they think they're the best at everything with football. That's not true. Yeah, I mean, I, I think about programs like Ohio State, Michigan. Yeah. Michigan's, you know, hasn't – they don't really won one national championship, but they're good. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting not watching division like – one like the one we're watching, like FBS, like FCS. Most of the good teams are in the north. Mm-hmm. Uh, north Dakota, North uh, South Dakota State. Oh, she's North Dakota State, South Dakota State, Eastern Washington, and Maine were the Final Four this mm-hmm. year. It's interesting how that well, works. Well, you know what, Zach? Coaching pro ball the last eight years, you coach kids from all over the really the world. Mm-hmm. But I noticed that in our country, the hardest kids to coach. Number one were California kids. Number two were southeastern kids. Mm-hmm. The easiest kids to coach were the Mid-Atlantic and Midwest kids. Hmm. Um, and I, I have reasons. I think there are reasons for that. I think there's they're very uh, their work ethic's different. Uh, it's noticeably different. Uh, the kids in the Southeast, the kids in California tend to have all the answers. Kids sure. in the Midwest, the Mid-Atlantic are just hard-nosed, uh, very coachable kids. Hmm. And I think that lends itself to that part of the country where you have a lot of those size schools. Right. And those kids blend in really well with those programs. Yeah, I mean, coaching, having coached high school football in three different states, 
the kids in West Virginia are really tough. Like mm. tell, teaching them to be physical is not a problem. Right. You know, they'll run through you, which is that's fun to coach. They, yeah. They just go knock your knock your lights out. Um, well, Dad, thanks for the podcast. Anything you want to leave the listeners with? No, I'm honored. I listen to everyone several times. Your mom and I listen to them sometimes. We're having breakfast. Uh, I uh, I'm very fortunate to be the dad of of Caleb, Aaron, and you. Mm. I'm very thankful for that, and I'm thankful that your mom allowed me to be a dad. So. We appreciate you and your family coming down to visit us here in Florida. We know it's a long ride, and we look forward to next fall. We get up there and watch the Nitro Wildcats take care of business. That's right. Go Cats, and I'll put this podcast up soon.